stress of Black Friday and Cyber Monday and <clears throat> how clerks are climbing on top of the uh, tables so they don't get mauled by the shoppers. Uh, I guess going by Tangier Shopping Center, that, that uh, line to get off the uh, extended back of the highway for about two miles. And this is a crazy time. Everybody knows, uh, you know, what happens as we get into this Christmas stuff activity. But you also know from the news recently the specific things that are going on at the same time is that this is not always a joyful time for a lot of people. Uh, the CDC just came out recently and said that the life expectancy has gone down. The drug overdose has gone up and suicides have gone up. We'll look at that a little bit. But the question is, in this time of merriment and, and celebration, there's a whole lot of people who are sitting in the land of darkness and they're not very comfortable, and they're not celebrating. Remember that song we just sang, Disperse the gloomy clouds of night, and death's dark shadows put to flight. How can you sing and rejoice in a foreign land when you're defeated? When there's people who really are hopeless and helpless. Well, <clears throat> that's the purpose that we have today. We're thinking about hope. Because hope is the first candle. Hope is our first banner. We want to think about this hope. What, what's this mean that we have hope for the helpless as we come into this season? How can you be merry in a miserable world? How can you be joyful in all the junk that's going on? How do you find faith in the world full of doubting? And so we're going to look at that by looking at this answer that Scripture promises that in a walking relationship, in a friendship with Christ, you will find that it is Emmanuel coming alongside. You're not alone in this land of darkness. And so Matthew would say, upon those sitting in darkness, passive and stuck in pain, here comes one we call the Messiah, born of a baby. And in this relationship with him, he disperses that darkness. And instead of the darkness, he fills us with his spirit, and he fills us with the light, and he fills us with the joy to be empowered with wisdom and discernment as we learn to walk in a fallen world. Well, desperate for hope. As we think about uh, Christmas at, at this time, that we have something to share. We have hope when there's, these are desperate times. And so... I want to look at a couple of things today. I want to look at the definition of hope just to, 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 to get us into the mood to think about these things and look at the dynamics of hope and faith and how they come into play and, the, and, and to really just kind of introduce this thing with there are two kinds of hope. And the first of all is the, is the whole definition of the word desperate. I, you know, I'm a, a, a language, a, a linguist. As, a, as I get into words, I pay attention to words because words have power. What's the word desperate mean? D-E-S-D-E -E means from or away, but the parrot comes from the word uh, where we get in the Spanish word espero, esperar, to wish or to desire, to hope. It's to have moved away from desires and have moved away from desires and have moved away from hope. You are desperate and in, in, the, in the idea that the condition of desperation means that what you want is not going to happen. And there's an intensity that comes into play within the heart of frustration, 
of intensity, of I'm going to figure it out because my life depends upon it. And so this idea of angst and intensity and, and anger and moving in a way that you are desperate. And yet, as you come into the idea, this dynamic of faith and hope, how you, there are people who hope that their efforts will come to fruition. And yet, as you think about... Um, this, this idea that what you want to happen may not happen. And so I want to talk about two kinds of hope. There's a hope that the world offers, the hope that we tend to have, and the hope that, that comes from the word and the hope that comes from the world. When you have the word hope, when we use the word hope, the way we, we talk about it in, in one sense is, in English, we don't, we don't have the biblical sense of hope. But when the Bible talks about hope, it talks about something that you can put down on your calendar as though it is going to come to pass. But a lot of times when the world talks about hope, we talk about it in a flippant way that it's, I hope it comes to pass. I, I, wish, for, I wish for these things. I don't really know, but I hope. I hope. Hope against hope. You, you, you wish for things and you desire things. But for desperate people when they come into the idea that what I want to come to pass, I just end up being disappointed. And a lot of things that you hope for never come to pass. Things that you really expect to, kind of expect to, but not really assured. And therefore, a lot of people hope to be rich, but they don't expect to be rich. A lot of people would hope to lose weight, <laughs> but they don't expect to lose weight. And you buy gym uh, bicycle systems and weight systems and you hope to really discipline yourself to get in shape and, and yet the reality is you don't really anticipate that reality coming to making you fit. So there's a lot of wishful thinking. But the idea of wishful thinking usually depends upon somebody else coming through for you. And if they don't come through, or if you don't come through, you end up with a lot of disappointment, a lot of desperation and false hope. Well, biblical hope is different. Biblical hope means there is a sh an assurance. This is going to come to pass. The idea that biblical hope is not just wishful thinking, or a desire that people get along together in love. Biblical hope is an assured confidence that this is the reality and you might as well plan for it because it is going to come to pass. And therefore, it's not just the worldly sense of I hope these things happen. I hope the world gets peace. I hope the world settles these issues. The biblical hope means they are being dealt with and they will be uh, coming to pass. And therefore, when you walk in a biblical hope, you have something you can say to desperate people. For desperate people, when they hit this level of disappointment and despair, they turn to another resource. And what's happening is so many people in this time of Christmas, they're turning to drugs, hoping, wishing that somehow whatever medication I use 
will somehow relieve me from the stress, relieve me from the darkness, relieve me from the depression, and take it serious because there's a lot of people who says, this world is so disappointing. My family is so disappointing. My work is so disappointing. I live in a dark world of stress. And therefore, when you hear people trying to find some relief or some hope in a hopeless situation or a helpless situation, they turn to drugs, or they turn to sex, or they turn to money, they turn to hard work, they turn to something, but they don't turn to Christ. And therefore, the Bible talks a lot about this. In Proverbs fifteen thirteen, it says, <clears throat> and Proverbs is filled with these things. A happy heart makes that face cheerful, but the heartache crushes the spirit. You've ever been with a person who's been crushed? They can't speak. Their faith is taken away. The trust is gone. The love is not there. You have a crushed spirit. What do you do when your heart feels pain? What do you go? How do you handle this desperateness without hope? Well, a lot of people, as we've seen, uh, this is the Utah. It doesn't make a difference. You'll get the graphic. You'll see where, where people, the increase of suicide rates. This is an old, this is 2015. This is in, in uh, Utah versus the United, uh, the national. But you see the curve going up. And I thought, well, what's Ohio's like? And I couldn't find a graph on Ohio, but this is what I did find. That for in Ohio, the number one cause of death is suicide for teens, 10 to 14. And I don't want to bore, don't want to, don't want to overwhelm you with these stats. I just want you to get the feel that we are sitting in a land of darkness. The second leading cause of death for 15 to 34. These are people getting out of high school and into the workforce. These are at the at the at the young at the young start. There's, there's a hopelessness. And for the, those 35 to 44, suicide is the fourth leading cause of death. Twice as many people die by suicide in Ohio than by homicide. 29,000. Well, it gets very depressing. I just want you to know that there are people that you rub shoulders with in the workforce that are struggling that we understand that drug overdose in 2016 is now at 60,000. And Sanjay Gupta said it's affected the national uh, average of lifespan because we're removing people at a younger age. It's really affecting us. Well, the crushed spirit. And so Proverbs, again, talks about uh, the happy heart makes the face cheerful. But the discerning heart, there's a discerning heart that seeks knowledge. The mouth of the fool, though, this speaks folly. There's, try this, it doesn't work. Try this, it doesn't work. And Proverbs goes on to say in Proverbs 17.22, another one. It says, um, a cheerful heart is good medicine. In James, if there's somebody sick, you call the elders and they pray for them. But immediately after that, it says, is anybody cheerful? Is anybody positive? Anybody got a good word of encouragement? That cheerful spirit is part of the medicine of a healthy relationship. But it says here, a crushed spirit dries up the bones. And you've been around people who have nothing to share. There's nothing but dust on the inside. There's empty, 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 empty on the inside. And therefore, 
the Proverbs, the book of Proverbs was talking about these two types of people. The human spirit can endure sickness. We deal with medical afflictions all the time. But a crushed, crushed spirit, who can bear? What do you say? What do you say to people who just don't find any meaning in Christmas? Any hope anywhere? If you haven't rubbed shoulders with these people, um, you don't understand how many people are sitting in the land of darkness. And yet, what Paul said for us back in Ephesians is that we as believers are learning how to put off the old and being renewed in the spirit, in the spirit of our mind, and how what goes on in the heart and what goes on in the mind, that there's a light that comes in, and therefore we don't have to walk in fear. Jesus said, remember, you are in the world, but you are not of the world. So don't let the spirit of the world take over your spirit this season. But there's something much more, because Jesus would often say, did he not? In the world, you have tribulation. This is a fallen world. We're living outside of Eden. We're east of Eden. And there's thorns and thistles. And Jesus said, you're going to have trouble. He was very realistic. But as he does so, what I wanted to bring out just briefly is that there's five things, five realities that will increase the stress this season. These are, these are things that, from desperate people that I've, I've been talking to, and uh, the first one is work. Work. I don't know if you've worked at Walmart, I've heard the Walmart stories, but there's a lot of things that go on at Walmart. I don't want to highlight that except to tell you about a phone call I got this week. A woman said, my boss came to me and grabbed my face and says, this is our department. She says, I didn't know what to think. There are only two people who work in the toy section, her and her boss. And the boss was so stressed, she grabbed the employee and says, this is our department. Meaning what? She was confused, but confronted by her boss and said, you're not doing enough work. On an average day, in that toy department, you might find 75 boxes or 120 boxes, that range that they have to unload and put on the shelves. And it's a lot of work, but more work when you have people taking stuff off the shelves and throwing boxes here and taking them out of uh, boxes and putting them on different shelves. And so they have to go back and rearrange. Normal day, 120 boxes last week. They had 1,000 boxes come in that they had to unload. Last night it was 600 boxes. Two people. She was stressed. And, and they're both Christians. This is a Christian boss who just got to her. The work of the freight and to unload the freight and maintain the toy section. So this woman called me. She says, I am losing it. I want to get out of the toy section. I don't want to work with this woman and I just can't handle it. I am so overstressed. Same for the post office, UPS, or you may be in your job. If you're in the nursing situation, wow. This is a hard time for a lot of people. If you're in the insurance industry, this is the month of surgeries. You've got to get that surgery in. A lot of stress going on at work. The second thing uh, you think about work is if you have gone through loss and you lose something. In California, if you lose your home, if you're in Alaska and you've got an earthquake, and you, all of a sudden you're having to deal with the external circumstances where if it's Puerto Rico or 
you know, just the external realities that are, things are breaking down are not maintained. Things on the things level. Cars break down and you need to get to work. And there's a lot of stress when things don't work well. But when you lose relationships, then all of a sudden there's a hole, there's an ache. And a number of people in our family have lost loved ones this year. And therefore, as you go through this season, it's like, it's not the same. Things are changing. So you're very much aware of the fact that all of a sudden you're living in a world where you're missing something. And there's lots going on that's wrong. There's, there's a lot of dealing with loss, that's things that we've lost, subtracted from our lives. And then there's these multiplied other things going on. Good night. Go to Washington. Uh, go to the universities. Go to the school systems. And you just look at the culture that we're in. Never before have we been in a, such a stressful time when we have so many conveniences available. Why is it that we we're, have less time to be with people? We are really in a, a, a catastrophe, uh, a crisis constantly. Something's going on. Just listen to the news. And so if it's not the externals, it's not the internal, you go into the internal, and there's a silent war going on in the inside. We talked about this in the Sunday school, where this, and we talked about it last week, where you start to say things to yourself like, I'm tired. I'm just burned out. I just I don't have any energy. I don't care. Or I'm not good enough, or I'm not this, and I'm not that, and I'm not smart enough, I'm not rich enough, I'm not spiritual enough, I'm not included, I'm not important, nobody seems to notice what I'm going through. And so we go through these private, silent wars that we don't talk to anybody about, but we carry them on the inside. And it's in those wars that Satan steps in. In the book of Revelation, Satan is called the accuser of the the brethren. Yeah. God won't be good to you. You don't deserve this. You're not faithful enough. And, and we just buy into this negative, destructive pattern as we go on the ends. And it's a silent war. We may walk into church and, hey, how's it going? But even in laughter, the heart may be in pain. And we don't share that pain because it's a silent, private war that we're dealing with. You'd be surprised uh, Miss Sarah Powers, University of Michigan. Jimmy Carter's Secretary of Education climbed the tower eight floors up and jumped off the window. Successful, intelligent, had everything. But what people go through privately, we don't know. And Satan takes advantage of that. Let me tell you, he is the accuser and will make you hear things. But the other thing is, a lot of times we just live with a lot of trauma. People live with regrets. People make bad choices. There are sins in the heart that we can't get rid of. And therefore there is a desperation and a stress that goes on. We don't need Satan. We don't need the world. We can create our own problems. <laughs> and we get stuck in pain. Well, this is pretty negative, isn't it? But that's what I want you to hear in the sense when that doubts, clouds of dismay, and the, the, the dispersed, the gloomy clouds of night... How can you be joyful this Christmas with all of that going on when you're blessed and others aren't? When you see all these things, inside and out there's a stress. Well, just to bring, bring it to the close, 
to have this joyful spirit, you have to have a different orientation. To believe God's hope, to believe God's word, to believe God's presence in this sense of that relationship that you're not alone. It's Emmanuel with us. But we get to this question of, really? Really? Is God like that? And so last week I talked about those things that keep us from understanding God. Having my family, my father being distant or having a father who's mean or violent or having whatever experience you have in the past that blocks your understanding of who God is. I want you to know something. Jesus Christ wants to give you three gifts. <laughs> this Christmas you're going to get three gifts. And those gifts are hope. He's going to give you hope. That's why he came. He's going to give you faith. That's why he came. He's going to give you love. That's why he came. So that you can walk in the darkness, in the distress, with hope. With someone at your side. Because, as Paul said, you are being renewed in the spirit of your mind. That's what the work of the Holy Spirit does. And as he does, he begins to reroute those inner dialogues, that conversation on the inside. He does want to renew. Why? Because the first thing is this. You matter to God. What goes on in your heart grieves him or causes him wonder and passion. He loves you and is interested in what attacks you. If anything goes after my son or anything goes after your, ch your children, wouldn't you rise up and go after them? Sure. The Lord is my light my salvation. And he's bringing that light right into the dark spots of our own heart. He cares about you. That's why over and over again he would say, those who are weary and heavy laden, come and I'll take your burden. Cast your cares on him because he cares for you. Your spirit matters to God. And therefore the first thing you want to do is to speak to him about your heart. And I talked about this about a month ago. Remember the Jewish, the Hebrew thinking that says if the man says in his heart, and his heart's talking to his heart, and if you're just talking at that level where you're, you're aware of your spirit and you're aware of the distress and you're aware of the anger and you're aware of the, all the things that are going on and you are desperate, you're talking to yourself in your spirit, but you're not talking to Christ. But to talk to Christ about your heart. And so, first of all, Speak to Christ. Whatever's going on, take those burdens to Him. And then the second thing is you understand, when, when you get into the Word, you understand you have verses of Scripture like saying to your heart, why are you in despair, O my soul? Talk to your heart. Talk to God, but talk to your heart. Why are you in despair, O my soul? Why are you disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall praise Him. The help of my countenance, my face, that cheerful space. He is the helper of the way I look as I look around the world. I've got joy and I have hope because I've got my God. Pour out your heart before Him at all times, O people. But then it says, speak to your heart about Him. Talk to your heart and bring the Word in. Because if you're talking to your heart, you're taking your head addressing your heart, and your heart's addressing your head, there's that fullness of the Spirit we talked about in Sunday school. You speak to God. And then you want to speak to others. If you can't figure out this thing, 
You want to speak with others to keep the joy. How do you keep the spirit of Christmas? How do you keep in prayer when you are in pain? What's this idea that there's a joy, there's a peace that passes all understanding? I don't get it. Tell me how you do that. How do you do that? And that's called fellowship. When we're honest heart-to-heart talks, you say, I can't find God in the midst of this darkness. You've got to talk to somebody or you go out and act it out in different ways. That's what the body's for. Somebody here to listen to you. I was in a master's program in counseling. It surprised me. We were talking about the importance of listening. And this lady, a professional lady, uh, uh, seemingly all put together, and she was a counselor in training. And, and uh, the, the exercise was just spend time listening. We had 30 minutes, and the goal of the counselor was not to say a word in 30 minutes. So I didn't say a word. I was just listening. And I said, what are you going to do this Christmas? I mean, we can't, we're ta- not questioning, but I said, what, it was December. And I said, what are you going to do this Christmas? And so she started off, well, I've got my Christmas shopping done for my kids and everything that the house is put together. We're going to go away to Florida for our vacation. Yeah? So I'm listening, yeah? I'm going to drive down with my husband. Yeah? Just thinking, okay. And then, and I don't know whether I should tell him I want to divorce him before the New Year's or should I tell him after? Because I just, that ride down, I've been thinking about, and as she's opening up, she's beginning to spill for the next 20 minutes. And she said to me afterwards, no kidding, she said, I never intended to say any of that. But because you listened without judgment, it just all came out. I believe there are more people who are desperate for people to be spiritual friends to listen to them. But I also believe that there are more people who are committed to the idea that there's no one out there ready to listen. Listening to people, talking with people, you've got to share with God, share with your heart and talk with people. The fourth thing is, you need to speak to the enemy. Tell Satan to back off. Get out of here, buddy. You don't belong here. I don't believe what you say. And what you say, no longer in me. Uh, I've taught the why. Satan does not have a right to address your soul. And therefore, you have the right to tell him, it is written, I'm his. I don't listen to you anymore. Back off, buddy. I may think I am not, but in Christ, I am. So you pick up that faith. Now here's the last thing. What's your favorite Christmas carol? You're speaking and speaking, but Paul says if you're going to be filled with the Spirit, the first thing that's identified with that is sing songs. Let your heart be filled with singing. And therefore, there's lots of songs that that fill the Christmas spirit. What's your favorite Christmas song? The gal that was struggling with Walmart, I said, what's your favorite Christmas song? She said, Little Drummer Boy. I said, go back to work and hum, Little Drummer Boy. Come. And she went back to work and she said, guys, that so helped me keep my mind on Christmas, on Christ and bringing my gifts to him. So I put up this toy and think, I have no gift. And the singing of her song, what's your favorite Christmas song? Do you have one? Sing it. Hum it. In the shower, when you're driving. Get your spirit singing. 
because this is not an easy world to live in. Mine, one of my, one of mine is, <clears throat> and there's lots of them. I like, um, what child is this? I like uh, uh, what what Paul or Isaiah would talk about this one in the Messiah. Comfort ye my people, says your God. Comfort my people. Well, as you go into this passage, listen to those words of those hymns, these old Christian songs that have lasted for hundreds of years. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Love Jerusalem in her distress, in her pain. But remind her that that. Her service has been completed. Her sin has been paid for. And she has received from the Lord's hand double for all of her sin. My favorite, one of my favorites is, God rest ye merry gentlemen. As we begin to hope, remember that phrase? God rest ye merry gentlemen. Let nothing you dismay. Do not be dismayed. You don't have to be desperate. But as you share that Jesus Christ was born on Christmas Day, that's the first Noel, the first Nativity, the first Natal. And therefore, with these words, we bring hope to the hopeless. We invite people to listen to God. We've got good news. We have hope that no matter what we go through, God can go through it with us. That's what you can do. Speak to God, speak to your heart, speak to others, speak to Satan, but sing those songs. As you go through this season, do not be dismayed. So get in the spirit of Christmas. Let's pray. Father, your peace has come. And we are the faithful ones that want to call upon you. And we say, Father, would you send us that light of salvation that those who are sitting in the land might see light through us But before that, Father, that you would light us up with the spirit of your Son, that we would know the purpose of his coming, the purpose of his friendship, is to speak to each one of us by name and to encourage us that we can be comforted by the power of the Spirit and the hope of Christ and all the promises of the Word. And again, Father, for each and every one here, as we move into this season, Would you move into our lives and lift us up to glory? We pray for your glory and your pleasure and for our growth. In Christ we pray. Amen.